0: I met a girl recently on December 30th who just opened up my perspective a lot. She was, she's in the UK and she's been there all her life. But when she was 10, her parents wanted to take her and her brother to India to see their their home country. Mm -hmm. And they were on a domestic flight there and the plane crashed. Wow. And her dad, her mom and her brother were all killed in the plane crash.
1: Hi, my name is Shlomo Salson. I'm the host of Dreamers University. The first and third Tuesday of every month, I'm going to provide you with an episode filled with inspiring stories and practical tips to help you live your dream life. If you want to commit to achieving your dreams, go ahead, subscribe to this podcast, and enjoy this episode. Hey, Dream Makers. Welcome to another episode of Dreamers University. This is your host, Shlomo Solson. And today we have a very special guest with me, someone I met up in Philadelphia around last year. His name is Rob Lawless. Rob's mission is to meet 10,000 strangers, one-on-one, one one hour each. Rob has been featured by some awesome press sources, including On Air with Ryan Seacrest, as well as your Morning in National Canadian Morning Show, the Today Show with Hoda and Jenna, and appeared as a guest on the Kelly Clarkson Show alongside with Jane Lynch and Joe Coy. He travels the country as a speaker where he talks about creating human connection. Some of his clients include Amazon, Shell, and several other colleges and corporations. Give it up to Rob as, he t- as today he would talk about what he has learned about human connection over the years, how you doing, Rob?
0: I'm good, man. It's good to see you again. Good Thanks to for see you, me man, on the show.
1: man. Uh, I remember last time we met in uh, Philadelphia, where was it the city hall around the city hall?
0: Yeah, Dilworth Park, right in the right out front the city hall there,
1: and we met for an hour or around an hour, and it mm-hmm. went by so quick, and I, I've never met you before. Mm-hmm. And it felt like I knew you for a very long time. It felt like we were friends.
0: Mm -hmm. for years
1: and years what inspired you to do this what inspired you to start on this journey with meeting strangers one-on-one
0: yeah I went to so I've always been a people person and then I went to Penn State University and I was really involved when I was a student there so I was in a fraternity I raised money for the fight against pediatric cancer built houses with Habitat for Humanity I was a tour guide for prospective students and I was a homecoming captain So I met so many people through each of those things, and I just had like this environment where I felt like I was running into people that I knew all the time. And then I studied finance and went into consulting for Deloitte. So graduated 2013, did that, and then I went from like this environment of knowing all these people around me to this cubicle where it felt like no one wanted to take the time to get to know me. It felt like if you were going to create a new connection, it had to be either networking or dating. There had to be some agenda attached to it. And I was like, well, this act of meeting new people was so valuable to me for these four years. I don't want that to stop just because college stopped. And the other thing was I wanted to be a positive example of connection for other people because I feel like, and you can just go back, like even in the last seven years, all of these examples of this person is attacking this person or these people... Hate these people. And I wanted to be the opposite of that. I wanted to be like, hey, here's this guy who had a great conversation with this person and it was pretty chill and they hung out. So that was why I was sharing the pictures of me with everyone that I've met to to Instagram and sharing their stories just to show people human connection can be a fun, productive thing as well. So, yeah, I started it in November of 2015, just based off this kind of Penn State experience. And it's been a ride ever since.
1: You know, I I do agree with after college, you know, in college, you're in the limelight, whether you're in a fraternity or sorority or you're involved in different activities. You meet a lot of different people at one time. But I remember being in college at the University of South Florida, and I had several older people that I knew, whether they were family members or friends. They said, after college, no one knows you. Mm. You're back to being kind of like this nobody. And that kind of stuck with me. And I didn't want the same thing, didn't want the same experience as some of the other people had, which is why I go to different networking events and meet people just like you. But human connection means something different to everyone. What does it mean to
0: you? I think for me, it's like stepping in, I guess, the way that I practice it in my life is stepping into someone else's shoes for an hour at a time Mm -hmm. because sometimes people will see my project and they'll they'll see that I'm meeting 10,000 people and I've met over 5,400 people and they'll be like oh well it's it's quality not quantity and I agree you should have relationships that have high quality to them but if you want to understand what the world looks like why not get as many different perspectives as you can so that for me is I just want to see like what the world looks like from a Latvia standpoint or Brazil standpoint or Iran or Canada, whatever it might be. And when I meet with people for an hour, I get to step in almost like watching an episode of TV, see the world from their perspective and then move forward with that perspective in my life. So yeah, I guess that's a sim- simply put is just seeing the world from other people's perspectives.
1: Why do you think that is important in the, in the, In the corporate world or when you start your own business?
0: I read this book called The Psychology of Money last year. And they said that your experiences make up like 0.00001% of experiences that exist in the world. But it makes up 80% of how you think the world works. So it's just inaccurate, right? Like if we think that our experiences are the driver of how the world works and we're not taking other people's into account we are getting an inaccurate picture of what the world looks like. So if we're making decisions based off of that too, we're not making the best decisions. So I think in order to make good decisions in the corporate world or and to go further, to create environments of inclusion and belonging, it's like you have to accept other people's experiences. You have to understand that just because you grew up in a certain, like the, a really good example is the Eagles are playing in the NFC Championship. Mm-hmm. I grew up in the Philly area. So in my mind, the Eagles are the best team in the NFL, right? But someone who grew up in Dallas is gonna be like, no, Dallas is the best team. But if that person grew up in Philly, they would be an Eagles fan. And if I grew up in Dallas, I'd be a Dallas fan. So just because you grew up with something doesn't necessarily mean it's right. And when you can understand other people's experiences, you can figure out, okay, there's multiple right paths and we can understand each other and create empathy. So mm-hmm. I, yeah I just think empathy is such an important thing.
1: What are some of the most interesting meetings you've had in the past 7 years from meeting strangers one on one?
0: I met a girl recently on December 30th who just opened up my perspective a lot. She was she's in the UK and she's been there all her life, but when she was 10 Her parents wanted to take her and her brother to India to see their their home country. Mm -hmm. And they were on a domestic flight there and the plane crashed. Wow. And her dad, her mom, and her brother were all killed in the plane crash. And someone pulled her body from, like, the wreckage. And she had burns all over herself. She spent four months in the hospital. When she could finally see herself and they gave herself a mirror, she said she thought it was a joke. Like, she thought someone was playing a prank on her because of all the burns. And she's that was when she was 10 years old. I think she's 42 or 43 now. And she talked about this experience of, like, leaving the hospital. And then that's when, like, that's when the name calling started. And that's when she said kids would throw things at her to see if she had any emotions. People would cross the street because they didn't want to catch something. And it's like you think about someone going through that that bullying after they lost their entire family in this tragic event. And the amount of strength that that requires, and I'm sure for her, she's like, well, this is my life. It's the norm for me, right? It's the path that I've been given. But the strength that that requires for someone to move on in their life and do everything else, like go to school, get your job that all of us have to do, uh, to me is just really admirable. So, it's stories like that that her name is Tulsi story like stories like Tulsi's that allow me to hold a mirror up to myself every day and be like, "Oh okay, well, you're stressed about finances or you're stressed about this or that going well. It's like, okay, I can put that into perspective. So that was one that really stuck out to me throughout the last seven years. and I have like I have handfuls of of stories like that that have just struck me and been like someone's life path was this so it's given me a lot of gratitude for for my path
1: that's that that is truly amazing like hearing stories like that puts everything in perspective just makes you feel more grateful for your story and your path obviously everyone has their own path and everyone has their own story but just learning about someone else's kind of puts you puts perspective of your life right now to know that whatever you're going through just know as humans we are resilient people and that we can overcome anything we want to as long as we put one one foot at a time
0: yeah i totally agree with that i've seen the resiliency of people so often through my project and i think that's one of the things i've noticed too is that people aren't like superheroes or anything like that and i don't think they would describe themselves in that way they're mm-hmm. like we all have this gift to be able to move forward cuz Resiliency is just a, a natural thing that we all have.
1: Now, what are some not interesting stories, but interesting one on one meetings that you've had? What are some of the most fun meetings that you've had? Because I know you don't just meet mm-hmm. with everyone over Zoom or coffee.
0: Yeah. I think I've seen you do. Have you done snowboarding? I've gone surfing for the first surfing. time mm-hmm. with someone that was really cool. The. I lived in Los Angeles for a year and a half in my project and one of the girls was a surf instructor and she asked me if I wanted (laughs) to learn how to surf. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: we met up at like 6am on a Sunday morning. We were, I was just sitting on the board. She was teaching me how to surf and when a wave would come, she'd be like, okay, get up and ride this one. So that was really cool. And then you fall. Uh, I actually, I did get up my first time, but I, I, fell other times but Uh yeah it was was really cool I mean the feeling of catching a wave was enough to keep you going back for more and then I met another guy in Encinitas which is a little bit south of Los Angeles like between LA and San Diego Mm -hmm. and we went surfing together and that was really cool I got to go to Disneyland because one of the girls that I met worked for Disney wow (laughs) I, I flew in a plane that a guy had built himself that was really cool
1: was that scary though
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. I, joke, <laughs> I talk about it now in my talks because the plane didn't I've never seen a plane that looks like it before. Like it looked like a toy plane and the propeller was on the back and it was very small. And and the guy didn't tell me that he built it, built it himself until we pulled up to it. So, oh, no. yeah, I was a little bit nervous, um, but it went well. I was the experience itself was like almost like being in a little car in the sky because every gust of wind you would feel the way it like shook the plane and the plane would correct itself. Mm-hmm. And um, on the turns, like you could really feel the G forces on the turns. So I did feel nauseous at that time. I was yeah. like, man, I don't know how fighter pilots do it. Cause I just on a simple turn in a, in a private plane was feeling it, but yeah, it was cool. And I got to go to Hawaii for free cause I met a flight attendant and then he gave me a buddy pass that he had to to fly to Hawaii for free, so I spent like three days, four nights in Hawaii. I think the trip total cost me like two hundred and fifty dollars because I was also doing it as everything as cheaply as I could, and I was staying in a hostel. But those are some of the best memories that I have from the project is taking like a spontaneous trip like that.
1: Mm-hmm. Has there ever been encounters where you didn't you didn't think it went as it should have been, or some have you ever had Bad encounters in the past?
0: Uh, I want to say no to uh, both of those questions. And it's. I think it's a result of my mindset going okay. into my meeting. So I have no expectations as to like how the meeting is supposed to go. The only thing in my mind is, is I'm going to spend an hour one-on-one with this person. So if we don't cover a certain topic, that's fine. Or if we do go down the rabbit hole, that's fine too. And yeah, there's sometimes... There was one guy I met in, uh, in Philly. He was, uh, I was, I had just met this guy who was homeless and was recovering and like went through the surgery and someone canceled on me that day and I was riding my bike to the gym. So I was like, if I see anyone on the streets, I'm going to stop and ask them to be part of my project. And I saw this guy who was panhandling and I asked him to be part of my project and I showed him the guy that I'd just met and he knew who he was. So he was like, yeah, I'll meet with you, but I'm not going to stop panhandling. And I was like, no worry, that's fine. So he would go into the street. It was right by the Liberty Bell and collect money. And then he was in a wheelchair and then he would wheel back to me and, and chat with me for a bit. And he just, he, you could see that he was beaten down. Like he would ask people who were walking by, he would ask them for money. So obviously it's Philadelphia, right? Like people are going to mm-hmm. ignore him and go, go on. And um, so people would ignore him and then he would ask them for a smile and because they had already heard him ask for money they wouldn't hear the second question and they would just continue to ignore him and that really upset him i it was sad to see and then he he got like really he was getting mad during the meeting from people and then talking to me he was like you're smiling too much and i was like i don't know how not to smile and he when i was talking to him he would be telling me things and i would be acknowledging that I was hearing him so I'd be like yeah uh uh-huh okay and he was like you keep saying yeah before you understand what I'm actually saying He's like that's how you get killed in the streets and I was like okay man like I'm just trying to have a conversation that one was a little bit tense I would say but I never like felt like I was in danger or anything like that it was kind of funny too because he was talking about like not working for the man he was like you know these people control what you do and whatever. He's like, you would go to work and do a nine to five job. And I was like, yeah, I would if I was getting paid. And then he was like, if the manager told you that you had to do jumping jacks in front of everyone else and embarrass yourself, you would do it. And I was like, no, that's a whole different situation. Um, but it, it was just funny. Cause he was like, I want you to hear, I want, I want you to say you're a man. And I was like, I'm a man. He's like, no, I want you to yell it. So I'm on this corner in Philly by the Liberty bell yelling that I'm a man for like, No one. (laughs) So it just turned out to be a funny situation, but a memorable meeting for sure.
1: Oh, man. What are would you say the top three lessons you have learned with meeting one on one with 5400 strangers?
0: The top is that no one really knows what they're doing with their lives. Everyone's just Mm -hmm. doing the best they can with the resources that they have. So that that's the first thing. The second I talk about this, too, is there's this Ford framework of conversation, which I didn't come up with, but someone told me about it. But it What's the card for again? Ford, like the car.
1: Oh, okay, Ford.
0: So it stands for family, occupation, recreation, and dreams. And uh, the thing is, no matter where we come from, no matter what country we're raised in or what our life has looked like, we all have a family dynamic. It might look different from person to person, but we all have one. We all have an occupation, whether it's a student or whatever, like working out in the world to pay the bills. We all have hobbies that we enjoy outside of work, and we all have dreams of where we want to go in our life. So the human experience, everyone is tied together through those four categories. You can dive into those categories to get to know people, and it's a really good way to build out their story.
1: You said family, occupation, what was the R?
0: Recreation.
1: Recreation and dreams.
0: And dreams, yeah. And then the third thing is I think that there's just, I well, I say every human interaction has the potential to change your life, no matter how brief it is. And I think a lot of people, if I say that, they'll be like, oh, okay, so this person is going to introduce me to this person that's going to get me a great job or land me a great deal or whatever. But it's no, like you could talk to a person like Tulsi for an hour, Mm -hmm. hear about the fact that she lost her family Mm -hmm. and then have this new appreciation for the fact that maybe you still have your family. When I see my parents now and I see my sister and I see my brother, I'm like very active of the fact that I still have them or very aware of the fact that I still have them in my life. And I appreciate that it's just a one hour conversation can change the way that you spend time with your loved ones every time you see them or someone could tell you about a book recommendation and it changes the way you spend the next two Mm -hmm. weeks of your life or a song recommendation. I think people don't pay enough attention to how much of an impact other people can have on our lives. And if you do, then every human interaction really does have that potential to change your life in this small way or this big way.
1: I'm a strong believer. If, if you seek something out, then it's going to come back in some way, shape or form. So you talk about meeting the person that may change your life or mean that having an interaction that may change your life. I think for for that to happen, you have to be open to the fact that that should happen. Not all the time, but I've had many instances where I'm working on a project or I'm working on a business or I'm working on something. I'm like, okay, I need to get this done. This is my goal. How can I accomplish this? And then somehow, some way, I meet this one person that leads me down this rabbit hole, which helps me to grow and helps me complete this project in a completely different way. I'm a strong believer that we should have an open mind with every interaction that we have, have an open mind, seek out positive relationships, seek out positive things and good things will happen to you back.
0: Definitely. Yeah, and I agree with that. And I think that's like if you go into a meeting with someone and you're like, mm-hmm. well, what can this person do for me? Mm-hmm. And you've already lost. Absolutely. You've already lost. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And I've also been in that situation where I, I try to meet someone and I'm trying to find like, I'm trying to have that relationship as transactional and it just leads nowhere and it leads to disappointment.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's another law of the universe. It's just like, it knows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, very true. Did you ever have... Any insecurities or labels that you had to overcome from your childhood to get to where you are right now?
0: Um, I don't know. When I was a sophomore in high school, I stopped getting invited out to like parties or anything like that. And it was hard at the time, but I kind of like people just accepted me junior and senior year again. It just naturally like fixed itself. Mm -hmm. But I think Mm -hmm. I became a very independent person in that time. And I don't know if it made me insecure so much as independent because I was just like, I don't care about this. I'm going to do my own thing. And and I've been that way ever since where, like, if I don't get invited to a certain thing, it doesn't bother me that much. Sometimes I have to be conscious of the fact that I need to be aware that it does bother other people if they don't get, like, an invite or something. So, yeah, I don't know if it was uh, – from my childhood but I've certainly experienced insecurities throughout the course of my project of like take it because I worked for Deloitte Consulting and then I was Mm -hmm. doing sales for this tech startup and then you launch into this world of really there's no structure and people can't put you in a box and I couldn't go to people and be like I'm doing well you know because I have this car or because I have this title so the way people valued me changed and There were times throughout my project where I was like, why did I ever think that this was going to work? Why did I think that I would be able to pull this off? And it it happens, it's it's not like I hit 2000 people, and then I was good from there. It was like, I would be at 2050 people and feel that way. And then at 2070, I'd feel confident. And then at 5,000, I would feel doubtful again. And at 5,030, I'd feel confident. So it's just a cycle that comes and goes. And I still experience, and, and now with my speaking too, like speaking has been really nice because it's finally given me a way to establish security and stability in my life. But I'm still on a journey with that where I get nervous before every gig that I do. I have a lot of imposter syndrome. So I go into these gigs weirdly like knowing i'm very confident in what i've done over the last seven years and what i can bring to people but then i'm very nervous as well because i'm like oh well, how am i going to show up and how am i going to be perceived so i still deal with a lot of that insecurity today and i try to get over it through one just speaking often and two meditating and and th- three like being confident just in the inputs of what i'm doing like putting a message out there, reaching out to companies and stuff.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's always, always a battle, but I would say, yeah, probably even more with the project than in like high school or whatever. I felt that insecurity.
1: Mm -hmm. What would be your tips for someone who wants to start a certain project or business, but in their mind, they're thinking, why would someone buy this? Or why would someone listen to me? What would you recommend them doing?
0: Well, I always said with my project, it's a silly idea until it's not. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, like, I knew people would question it in the beginning. And then at a certain point, it would flip and people would be like, oh, this is inspirational, which is what happened. I think just uh, give yourself that space to understand that other people might not understand you from the the jump. And I don't know, I was just having this conversation with another guy I met through my project this week, who's an aspiring comedian. And it's like just something natural when you see other people going for their dreams, like someone who's a musician and they're not really polished yet. I don't know why as people were like, oh, they're never going to make it or whatever. But no one is polished from the beginning. Like You can't be great without being good. It's not the people that are and I feel like this is a cliche, but it's not the people who are supremely talented. It's the people who are willing to be bad at something and work at it. And I think you have to fall in love with the work is the thing. Like I love meeting new people. For me, it was never a drag to go out and be like, oh, I have to meet three people this day. I was excited to do that. So on the day to day, I was having fun with it. And then overall, it just kind of played out over time to Mm -hmm. start to succeed. I think the same with a business. If you're not passionate about whatever it is that you're doing, whether it's running a podcast or creating an e-commerce shop, Like, if you're not passionate about it, it's not going to continue because you have to be your own champion, especially in the beginning, until other people catch on to what you're doing is cool. And I think for someone who's thinking about starting something, I would say just start, like, start and then never stop if you're passionate about it. Those are the two rules, I think, to success. Because if you're waiting for the right moment, it will never come. I've heard people be like, well, I want to just make sure things are perfect before before I start my site or before I put it out there for people. One of the things I've learned through my project is if I thought of everything I could have thought of about this journey before starting it, I would have thought of about 5% of what I actually needed to know. The other 95% was impossible to know without going through the journey, experiencing it and learning. You're like, you're stopping yourself from learning all those lessons quicker than you otherwise would have. So, yeah, starting is like a big thing. And then never stopping is another thing because for me, there were times when I almost ran out of money, and you could say, "Okay, well, like you hit zero dollars in your bank account, you're done. You got to go get a part-time job." Or you could say, "Okay, well, here's a new challenge. If you have zero dollars in your bank account, what do you do? You could do a GoFundMe. You could get a part-time job and do your project on the side. You could get a full-time job, do your project. You could figure out a different way to make money. So, When I get frustrated, sometimes I think about where I'm at and I'm like, am I just tired or have I really exhausted every option? And the answer is always, I'm just tired and I'm just stressed. So you have to be like, okay, I'm tired, but let me explore other things to keep going. So if you start and never stop, I think it's inevitable that you'll succeed.
1: Now, you talked about working at your full-time job. When did you make that transition from working full time, doing this on the side to now doing your project and speaking full time?
0: Yeah, so I was working for Deloitte for a year and three months from May of 2013 to October 2014. Then I switched to a tech startup called RJ Metrics in Philly. That was October 2014. And I worked for them until July of 2016. And I started this project November of 2015. So there were eight months of overlap of me meeting people while I was working at the startup. And then they were bought out. So I was laid off, like I didn't quit to go. Sometimes people are like, oh, he quit Deloitte to do this full-time. And I'm like, no, I was laid off from the startup after I had left Deloitte. So I didn't have a choice. My choice was get another job or jump into this full-time. So I jumped into this full-time July of 2016. And then I started speaking. I did my first paid engagement April of 2021. So I've been speaking wow. for almost two years now. And I did in the last two years, like 30 paid engagements, wow. which is great. Yeah. So, and I'm trying to like, you You speak as well. So you know what it's like. The The people who are really doing well in it are speaking like 50 times a year. I'm hoping to move into that space now.
1: I know people that speak like 250 times a year. Yeah, that's wild. Some I don't... of my mentors. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's crazy. God bless them.
1: That's, that's wild. But when was that turning point for you? Because I know I've gone through this where in the beginning of doing this full time, you're stressed, you doubt yourself, all the normal feelings and emotions that you go through. Was that turning point for you where you told yourself, you know what, I'm going to be okay?
0: I don't think I've gotten there yet. (laughs) (laughs) To be honest, I don't. I feel like now this well last year I made like an entry level salary through speaking. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I made more money last year than I made in all the other years of my project combined. Okay. Good so for you, man. yeah, thank you. So and again, it was just an entry-level salary, but I think I definitely feel more comfort now where it's like I'm not feeling the weight on my shoulders every time I go to buy groceries. Yeah. Or I can go to a coffee meeting with someone buy myself a cup of coffee and not feel a lot of guilt around that afterwards and for a long time I couldn't do that it's it's nice because now I have money in the bank and I still get nervous like I had a gig in January I'm speaking in Portland Oregon next week and then I have a gig in March and that's the only income that I have on my calendar right now so my entrepreneurship brain or my my survival brain is still like March is the last money you'll ever make in your life. So you have to be really careful what you invest in or whatever. But then I'm starting to get more confident with the fact that other gigs will pop up Mm -hmm. in the future. Um, But it's nice because before it was like if I had no more money coming in, I had no savings to even rely on. Now I have some savings, so there's a bit more comfort. Yeah, I operate in this world of stress where it's like I'm either nervous about an upcoming gig or I'm nervous about the fact that I don't have gigs on the calendar. So there's always some type of nervousness going on. I
1: know. I know that feeling. Yeah. Very well. You've been interviewed by some of the famous talk show hosts like Kelly Clarkson, Mm -hmm. Kelly Clarkson. When did people start recognizing your project?
0: It's, it's ebbed and flowed. And I would say like it was, um, back then it was, it was being talked about a lot where, Mm -hmm. I did this show at Kelly Clarkson show in August of 2019. We filmed it. I was living in Hoboken at the time Hoboken girl is a blog there that did a post on me, an article Mm -hmm. on me, then CBS, New York covered me. And then ABC did a piece on me. Now this did a piece on me. And it was all just happening back to back to back. So a lot of people were talking about my project during that time. And then it kind of settled for a bit. And then Mm -hmm. summer of 2020, I was on the today show. So then people started talking about it again. Then it settled for a bit. The The first time that an article was ever written on me, like I started my project November of 2015 in May of 2016, like seven months later, someone wrote an article on me. And in that month of the June that followed, it was like a local TV station covered me, a local blog did a piece on me, another local publication so that was the first time that I was covered. It wasn't like anything that anyone would know. It was all local stuff, but it felt really big to me. And I think mm-hmm. that was really important for my confidence at that time because I was just about to be laid off. So I got laid off just having been covered by four different press sources being like, oh, people like this. And and then I think it was just a matter of spreading through word of mouth that people would hear about the project and think it was interesting. Then in twenty. 18 I was on Ryan Seacrest's radio show that was probably the biggest thing that I had done at the time and right before that I had just uh, yesterday YouTube channel they did a post on me where they they shared me just to their Instagram stories they were like hey this dude's meeting 10,000 people and I had 400 people from all over the world message me to meet those little validations along the way were very important for me to continue the journey and I think that's something for people who are starting their own thing as well it's like yes, start and then pay attention to the little validations along the way because mm-hmm. they almost become like the carrot in front of the horse, where you're like, oh okay, someone someone paid attention to this, I can keep going, and it almost like it gets you to the next wave, and then it takes you to the next wave. So those things were really important, and it's it's just ebbed and flowed throughout the project, and that's one of the things I've told myself too is I never know what's coming down the pipe like for my future in twenty. 20, Zach King, he's big on TikTok. He has almost 70 million followers there. He saw my project and he was like, this is awesome. Let's go lobster diving together. So I went out to California and we went lobster diving in in the Redondo Beach. What's his name? Zach King.
1: I don't think I've heard of him.
0: He does like magic and illusion videos. Uh He One of his videos has like billions of views on TikTok where it's him riding on like a skateboard and it looks like he it looks like he's flying a a broomstick like Harry Potter, but Mm -hmm. yeah, he's just a really cool creator, but he's done stuff with like Amazon. He's done stuff with like Jurassic park, the movie, Tom Brady, Selena Gomez, like all these celebrities. And the fact that he thought my project was cool when he has such a good uh, observation of the internet, I was like, okay, this is really encouraging. So when I I think about this year, for example, I'm like, I have no idea who's going to come across my project or, or who's going to be impacted from it. So I just have to keep going.
1: You know, that, that is the perfect example that you never know who's watching. You have to continuously work hard every day. You went through waves, right? Mm -hmm. You went through a wave where people are noticing you, then it kind of flattened the curve. Then all of a sudden, someone notices you, you're on this high, then it flattens the curve again. But each time someone notices you or something good happens, it's because of you taking out the emotion of the hard work. So you have to, in my opinion, you have to continuously work hard and... Regardless of the results, I I saw a clip on Kevin Hart is that, you know, you work hard and then the next day you work hard again, the next day you work hard again, and you may not see results over and over and over again. But those who continuously work hard, even when they don't see the results, eventually something is going to pop off and eventually something will succeed. So you have to take that kind of emotion out of, hey, the result.
0: I totally agree with that. And that's a big focus for me this year is like this year I'm very focused on the inputs and not the Mm -hmm. outputs because I think too often we get focused on the outputs and we get discouraged or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then we're not even taking the time to do the inputs. So even when it comes to speaking, I have these little like weekly quotas for myself where I have to apply to at least 10 conferences a week and I have to watch at least two other keynotes a week to study what they're doing. And then to make sure that I'm feeling confident and comfortable, I'm meditating every single day. So I'm I'm 27 consecutive days right now. I'm like, if I'm meditating and I'm feeling comfortable and I'm applying to all these different conferences and I'm studying how other people are succeeding in this, and that eventually the output is just naturally going to happen, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to focus on that. I'm just going to focus. Same thing with going to the gym, right? If you want to be ripped, it's like you got to go to the gym and do the actual exercise. And eventually your figure will be shaped to how you want it to be, but you can't go in after two weeks being like, Oh, I'm not like, I don't have big biceps or whatever. And you just focus on the input and the output when i will unfold.
1: Yeah. They talk about it in sales all the time. I've been in sales for almost 10 years and they talk about, you can control the number of calls you make the doors you knock on the, The calls you make, the doors you knock on the amount of people you reach out to, but the amount of people who buy, sometimes that's out of your control. Mm -hmm. But as long as you can control how many people you're constantly reaching out to, that's all that matters.
0: Yeah, totally agree with that.
1: And, you know, just I conclude every interview asking this one question that I'm going to ask you some quick personal questions for your audience to get to know you. What are your dreams? Because this is Dreamers University. I want to inspire people to achieve their dreams, whether it's a small dream or a big dream. What are your future dreams?
0: My dreams include traveling to other countries. I've been to like nine countries in my life, but I've met people from 90 countries now through my project. Mm-hmm. I would love to get out and see what their, their homes, their towns look like in person. So traveling is a big dream of mine i would love to have a wife and kids someday that i think would drive a lot of contentment i hope to get to 10000 i think once i hit that i'll i'll be really happy because it's like i set this bar of success for myself and i back then was like i can do this even if it's a weird daunting goal i can do this so mm-hmm. to hit that will be really fulfilling and beyond that and in, infuse more empathy into the world i think that my purpose is tied to empathy I see myself becoming a professor at a university, teaching a course for students where they're like pairing off one-on-one and learning from each other's backstories rather than a textbook or a PowerPoint. Mm-hmm. So I want to do that and I want to spread that to a bunch of different universities. So when people go through this college experience, they're gaining that empathy and that awareness of people growing up differently than them and having different triumphs and different challenges. Those are some of my dreams. And I'm sure as I become exposed to more things in life, I'll be like, I want to do that as well.
1: I love it. In the end of every episode, I ask about four or five personal questions where you just answer it in one or two sentences. I call it rapid fire questions. You ready? Yeah. All right. One tip for introverts
0: set a goal of people to meet. It doesn't have to be public. It doesn't have to be huge. But like in your mind, if you're meeting one person every month, then each individual meeting becomes less scary because you know you have another one coming up next month. Awesome. Favorite
1: food spot in Philadelphia?
0: Uh, Ooh, Cafe La I used to live right uh, on the block. So that's a good spot. What
1: type of restaurant is that?
0: It's like a breakfast place. Okay. uh, Do you know Honey's?
1: I don't. How do I not know it?
0: Honey's is down the street from it. But Honey's is like a popular breakfast spot. But Cafe Lamad, the guy is really cool. He's from Syria. He was part Uh of my project.
1: Proudest moment.
0: Mm. I think being on the Kelly Clarkson show was a really good one. Not, I mean, because it was, obviously, there were a lot of eyes on it. But the entire audience was made up of people I'd met. And that was like a really cool peak of the project.
1: What activity would you want to do with someone, one of the strangers that you meet, but you haven't done yet?
0: Skydiving would be sweet. Anything adventurous like that.
1: And last one, your role model.
0: Mm. I don't have a very specific role model. I think my role models are a lot of the people around me. Like I take from everyone's story, like Tulsi is a role model in a way. Mm -hmm. or like even you pursuing the podcast is a role model in a way. My parents have been role models for me. I don't have like a particular role model. Trying to think if there's someone, like people that have inspired me in life are like JFK, Frank Sinatra. I just read Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. So people who've succeeded and been disciplined with it are role models for me. Yeah, there's a lot of them out there.
1: I love it. I love it. Rob, thank you so much for being on the Dreamers University podcast. I think you are my fourth interview nice. so far, and but I've interviewed 85 people in my previous podcast. So, uh, you know, pleasure having you, man.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me on. Good luck with everything.
1: No problem. Where can people find you, Rob?
0: I am on Instagram at Rob's 10K Friends. I'm okay. also on TikTok at Rob's 10K Friends, but all the people I meet in stories are shared on Instagram.
1: If a stranger who is listening wants to meet with you one-on-one, what can they do?
0: Shoot me a DM on Instagram. And uh, yeah, and I also have a website, robs10kfriends.com. It has a tab for my speaking if they're interested in watching anything related to that. Yeah, hit me up. i sure. meet. Appreciate you, brother. Yeah, thank you, man. Have a good one.
1: Welcome to my main takeaways of my interview with Rob Lawless. Now, Rob is one of the most genuine people I've met. I met up with him back in February 2022 when I lived in Philadelphia. We met for an hour over coffee and I was afraid. I was afraid it would be a little bit awkward when I met him, but it wasn't. For an entire hour, it felt like, I was catching up with a good old friend I haven't seen for a very long time. Now, here are my three main takeaways from interviewing him. Number one is building human connection gives you a different perspective in life. Rob met up with someone recently, I think it was December 30th of 2022, with a woman who lost her entire family in a plane crash. Now, when you meet different people with different backgrounds, it gives you a different perspective. It makes you realize that whatever you're struggling right now, it doesn't matter. Because as humans, we are resilient. We are resilient people and we can overcome any struggle that life puts in front of us. And sometimes all it takes is meeting someone else that has gone through a different struggle from you to realize that. It also gives you a different perspective as far as different viewpoints, whether it's cultural viewpoints, whether it's political viewpoints, whether it's thinking viewpoints. And those different types of viewpoints can help you in the job that you're in. It can help you if you have your own business, how you treat employees, how you treat your coworkers, maybe how you treat your friends. Now, the second takeaway I got from this interview is Rob said from all the interviews that he's done, he realized that no one has life figured out. Now, whatever challenges that you may be facing right now, and you are comparing to someone else who you think has life figured out, who you consider successful on Instagram or on LinkedIn or on social media. And you look up to that person like, wow, that person has a million dollars or that person has a billion dollars or that person is traveling the world or that person has a happy family. You don't know what that person is going through. They could be having their own insecurities. They can be having their own challenges in life. And sometimes a successful person that you see on social media can also feel like a fraud. They can also be battling with imposter syndrome. So don't compare your life to others because you know what that person is going through and everybody has their own challenges and everybody is trying to figure out life as it comes. Now, the third and final takeaway I got from interviewing Rob Lawless is this is you have to put in the work. Regardless if, if you are facing failure, regardless if you're working hard every day and you see no results, or even when you are on top, you feel like you're on top of the world. No matter how you're feeling, whether you're feeling happy, whether you're feeling sad, whether you feel like nothing's working, whether you feel like everything is working, Detach the emotion from the results and have daily habits that gets you closer to your dreams, that gets you closer to your goals. And Rob was a perfect example. Because there have been times during his journey where he has doubted himself, where nothing is working, and then suddenly someone notices him, he gets a whole bunch of followers and speaking engagements, then it levels out. And that happens with a lot of people's journey, where you you may be putting in the work and you may be feeling high, you may be feeling low, but what should be consistent in your entire journey is your daily habits. And the work that you put in. Now, thank you for listening to this podcast episode of Dreamers University. You can find me on Instagram at Shlomo Salson. Please subscribe if you're on Apple Podcasts or on YouTube. Like and comment if you're on YouTube. Uh, go ahead and rate and review if you're listening from Apple Podcasts. I need your help reaching as many people and impacting as many people as possible. You can also visit my podcast website. It's www.shlomasolson.com forward slash D U podcast, where you can join my weekly newsletter, where I share inspirational stories and practical tips to help you live your dream life. Thank you for listening to my podcast. And I hope you tune in to the next one. Peace.